Welcome to the Goal Line Stand, where we're talking the NFL and the Big Ten, where it is all football all the time. Presented, as always, by Michael's Glass Company, 215-338-3293 in the Philadelphia tri-state area. The Paul's Table, a modern Italian steakhouse, 70s Lancaster Avenue in the heart of Ardmore, sportstalkphilly.com, as always. And coming Friday, our mega show, the Sportswire Radio. I am the Doc, and I am joined, as always, by Brett and... We are recording this as NFL cuts are happening. So this is like a live thing here. So you, by the time people come to listen to this, he might be like, what are these two idiots talking about? This chain, we're trying to stay on top of it as best we can. Unlike, unlike ESPN. ESPN, eh, Espen. Eh. Espen, Espen was not on top of things. Espen decided that they were going to send a bunch of poor high school kids to the slaughter. <laughs> put on, when I have to make, I, I was going to call it Bishop Sycamore. You know, Bishop Sycamore is not a real person. Uh, well, not even a Bishop Sycamore. I was going to, I don't think that's appropriate for me to comment on that being that I am not Catholic. Uh, I'll, I'll leave you to that one. Although Mike, have you seen the great meme already that Cam Newton has signed? With Bishop Sycamore, uh, I mean, at this point, he, ha- he can. <laughs> so, for those who don't know, and I don't know, this is this is a great story, and it's a great story, but it is kind of sad because there's kids involved here. And this is the- a thirty for thirty short. Oh, this is easily a thirty for thirty short. Yeah. So, IMG Academy, and this is their national team. This is this is the A team. This isn't even the B team. Yeah. Is playing in the Hall of Fame Classic, some some something like that for opening week of high school football. They come from Florida to Canton, Ohio, and they're playing a showcase game. They run this team, Bishop. Uh, I want to make Bishop Sycamore yeah. out, out, out of Fawcett Stadium, fifty-eight nothing. Not even close. Well, it's fifty-eight nothing. I believe it was fifty-eight nothing at half. I didn't mean. To oh, good. It was bad. So it comes. It, it turns out that this Bishop Sycamore team. They lied. They're not even a real school. They are an online program of some sort where, I I don't know. So there's a whole bunch coming out. It's an online school for for football only. Uh, Kids that are on the team aren't even high school players. That's the newest one. (laughs) They played Friday night against uh, a team, I think, Stowe Rocks out in uh, the Pittsburgh area of, of, of Pennsylvania. Got beat up. So that was Friday. That was Friday. Sunday, they're going into Canton, Ohio. They're getting beat up by IMG Academy. The coaches resigned. Someone put it out there, and it was with a, a George Costanza. Like, how can you get fired from a job you don't even have? I, can, I, I mean, this is ESPN. This is more than dropping the ball. This is disgraceful. Whoever put this together. And for IMG to accept it, I don't even understand. Because, look, IMG does their own recruiting. We, Mike and I are in South Jersey. South Jersey has been a steady feeder program, or excuse me, feeder area for IMG Academy. Currently, they have Jihad Campbell, used to play at Timber Creek, now at IMG Academy, committed to Clemson. Best of luck to him. But the point is, IMG Academy is well-tuned in to the high school universe from a national standpoint. They know all the top kids. And this Bishop Sycamore school claimed to have like eight kids in the ESPN 300, of which no one, none of these kids were in the database. So I, I don't understand how IMG took this game. 
I know a lot of schools don't want to play IMG. Right. That's a separate issue. Honestly, I would like to talk about that with you some other time. We'll get into that some point during the season. You can't just take any game against anyone. That's it's. I mean, so it's not fair a, to your kids. It's not. It's not safe. There's a whole. It's not safe for both sides. Here. For both sides, yeah. But the, here's the thing: like, it, it's not hard to find out if it happens every now and then where a kid where if someone did it a couple years ago on twenty four seven, where yeah, a kid created. I believe it was a or a guy created a recruit. And it was a recruit because I love this. It was a recruit from NCAA 14, and the guy's still playing the game like me. And he creates a Twitter and all this stuff. And that recruit ended up getting placed in 24 7 sports uh, rankings. I think maybe it was like a no ranking kind of thing. And it was like, well, we got to go see him. And, and, and well, then remember, got- there was the kid out in New Mexico or Nevada who was at a smaller school, big kid, like six, legit six, five, 300 pounds. And he made up that he, he claimed he had all these division one offers. The whole school had a ceremony for him. I forgot but about that. Yeah. That? Yeah, and yeah, he, yeah. I think he committed to Cal. The problem is he didn't have a scholarship offer from, he ended up at like a division two school. So these things do happen, but this is just, Beyond this, is taking that to this the is, nth degree. This is a Google. All you had to do is Google it, and you see that uh, none of these kids exist, or they exist, but they're not in. <coughs> nobody called Brian. Nobody called Brian Doan and said, "Hey, Brian, what's your take on this thing?" You know, Keon Saab. He's going to run all from Glassboro, who's down in IMG. He's going to run all over uh, Bishop Sycamore, and he's going to say, "Who? I've never even heard of these guys." it's just, it's madness that it even got to this point. Shame on the coach of the, or the guy. He's not even a coach. I don't even know what he is. The the whole process, the the whole Bishop Sycamore thing, shame on them. I I don't know that I blame IMG because I I think like you said, it was probably more of a, nobody wants to come here and play us, which we'll get, we can get to at a whole separate time. Yeah. They're not real. (laughs) I, my, my Cherry Hill West team that is in NCAA 14, which I still play. The servers are down, so I can't even share my gamer tag. Is more real than that. Technically. And then I think there was a report. I mean, there was there were a few guys on the team that were in their mid-20s. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, this was this was <laughs> an extended PG thing. Like there, there, this, there was was a, really... this was a crappy semi-pro football team posing as a high school. Absolutely. And they got their ass kicked 58 nothing. Well, yeah, because they played a bunch of All-Americans. And, what again, we, we're going to talk about this in the future. IMG, I, I still find it strange. It's, I think they've taken things a bit too far. I'm not saying even that they're doing it illegally. I just think it's it's a little strange to me. I don't like it, but that, that's, that's my personal view. I, I agree with you there. We can get to that closer to the time we get to the – uh, recruiting periods, you know, yeah, yeah. December, that kind of stuff. Uh, well, we got, I, I don't know if you saw this. I guess it just came over the horn. Uh, Ravens trade Bredson to the Giants. Yes. This is the Was second that trade. Uh, this, it, it, it's on our Instagram feed. Uh, so, it, but it happened like within the past 30 minutes. Uh, so, this is the second trade that the Giants have made. 
in the last two days to improve the interior of their offensive line or at minimum improve the depth. They traded away defensive tackle B.J. Hill for Billy Price yesterday. Then today the Giants traded their 2022 fourth-round pick for backup guard Ben Bredesen, who's a 2020 fourth-round pick out of Michigan. And they're also getting a 2022 fifth-round pick and a 2023 seventh-round pick. And, Mike, don't ask me to say that again. (laughs) Well, those trades seemingly make sense because the Giants are trying to fix their interior a little bit. Now, what doesn't make sense would be trading for, say, a backup quarterback. It makes – it doesn't make sense all the way around from the Jaguars' perspective and the Eagles' perspective. I have issues with this. So we are obviously talking about the Eagles' acquisition of Gardner Minshew. The Eagles trade the Eagles cut Nick Mullins and trade for Gardner Minshew. Philadelphia Sports Radio, ballistic. This is great. Ray Dininger and Glenn Mack now were talking about it, and and Ray and Ray was like, "I'm in Wawa," and a guy comes up to me and is like, "Ray." This I'm paraphrasing. He's like, Ray, this is great. They traded for Gardner Minshew. This is unbelievable. This is one of the greatest things ever. And Ray's like, he's the third string quarterback. He's not going to see the field unless, unless uh, there's the big outfit in the room, right? There's the big Deshaun Watson thing. A lot of people believe that, that the Eagles made this trade because they're in the Deshaun Watson, I don't know sweepstakes so to speak Deshaun Watson says no but other people say yes so okay so now you've you've actually introduced a third angle to this so let me address all of them I'll address the Deshaun Watson angle first I don't see Deshaun Watson coming to Philadelphia of course that means now he's coming but based upon the fact that he doesn't want to be in Philadelphia I don't know why you would give up literally your future for a guy who doesn't even want to be there and let him, you know, on top of it, he may be allegedly, purportedly, we need to let the court system figure this out. He might also be, you know, like a predator of women. Again, allegedly, every man, is, every person is presumed innocent until proven guilty. We shall let that play out. Okay, that's the Sean Watson part. From the Eagles' perspective, is Gardner Minshew better than Nick Mullins? Absolutely. Good to have you've added more depth to your quarterback room. To me, I'm of the I'm in the camp of when you have your 53 man roster, I only like carrying two quarterbacks. Get a third guy on the practice squad. Okay. Gardner Minshew is never going to last. He's never going to clear waivers to get on a practice squad. And on so on then, okay, Joe Flacco's had a nice preseason. Why do you need to add? Uh, I'm not saying he's look if Joe Flacco or Gardner Minshew are in for an extended period of time, the season's over, anyways. This season is about is Jalen Hurts the guy? To me, I wonder if there are people in the Eagles front office at the Novacare complex who believe Gardner Minshew is actually better than Jalen Hurts. You wonder the guy's name is Howie Roseman. I I mean, I can tell you that right now. It's Howie Roseman believes that. How many other people do though? I don't know because are there coaches that do? I don't think so because so there's that whole big narrative too that the Eagles haven't named him Jalen him being Jalen Hurts the starting quarterback. Now you listen to the beat writers and 
God knows they tweet every blessed freaking play. Jalen Hurts goes to take a leak behind that goofy tree up in, in uh Florham Park in the middle of that field. The fucking they're practice going, facility. Yeah, they're going, they're going, yeah, they're going, they're going to report it. So by all accounts, the Philadelphia media is saying that Jalen Hurts has looked really, really good. Players are coming out because now that there's the media availability is back. They're coming out and saying that he, man, he's he is a leader. He's played well. The young guys are buying into him. The veterans are buying into him. Either you're putting that stuff out there because you want him to his trade value to jump up because he doesn't have good tape, or it's true. Maybe it's a little bit of both. I, I don't know. Yeah, and then real quickly from the Jaguars' perspective, even though we really don't care about the Jaguars that much, why on earth did Urban Meyer waste an entire training camp saying, oh, there's a quarterback competition? Take valuable reps away from your the first-round pick. And not only was he just a first-round pick, this guy is a generational talent who he was splitting reps with the 80s porn star lookalike. I don't under And then, so Trevor Lawrence, quote-unquote, wins the job. And then you suddenly you're just trading away Gardner Minshew makes no sense. And then you see how Trevor Lawrence performed the first week where he actually got a full uh, load of uh, first team reps. He does. I mean, he has like 154 quarterback rating against the Dallas Cowboys. Granted, it's preseason, but just I, it makes no sense from Jacksonville's standpoint too. And I think it's another example of Urban Meyer is really he's going to flame out. I am not a believer in this Urban Meyer experiment. We can get into that a little bit more on Friday when we debut the, the second annual uh, NFL preview of Mania, uh, preview pandemonium, call it what you will, Sports Talk Field against Sports Wire Radio. But I guess let's go back to that elephant in the room here. Let's go back to the Deshaun Watson rumors. Deshaun Watson doesn't have the Eagles on his approved trade list. This much we know. The Dolphins are the apparent front runner. The Texans are asking for what? One, uh, two first picks and three second round picks at minimum for Deshaun Watson. I ask, is that way too much? Um, I think it is given the uncertainty facing him. It, it is not too much, frankly, for the football player. It is too much for Deshaun Watson, the human being that comes with the football player right now, given the unknowns of his legal situation. I guess so. The other question is, okay, so if I'm the Dolphins, I'm clear you're not going to keep Tua. The, the, the Dolphins have the draft capital to pull this off, but you're not going to just give up draft. You're also going to trade away Tua in this. It would be interesting to see this Houston. If you trade. They if you offer Tua, do the, does Houston view that as, okay, that's one less first-round pick or one less second-round pick? Allegedly, the rumor is that Houston doesn't even want him. So Tua, yeah. where you would think, where right, like you would think that Tua would be involved in this or Jalen Hurts if it's an Eagles thing or yeah. uh, the other team in the, in the, in the equation is uh, uh, the Panthers, you figure that one of their, the quarterbacks are coming back. Apparently not. I don't know. They're going to have to train him somewhere else. You can't just keep two on the roster. You got to get something no, out. No, no. Yeah, you can't. And the, the amazing thing, let's talk about that for a second. From the Eagles' perspective, number one, I don't want them to do it. 
I think you got to see what you have in Jalen Hurts. But that's a little bit of an unknown. Tua, uh, uh, again, this is who everybody you hear from the media perspective. From at camp, this is his first true camp. He's a year and a half removed from the injury of the hip. He came out from Alabama as one of the most ready quarterbacks, they said. He's apparently performing really well. I don't know. Like, he's the guy you uh, – the whole thing is bizarre. Well, the whole thing is bizarre. Miami's a team that's on the cusp of making the playoffs, and now there's reports out where if I'm Tua, I now believe my team has no – the front office and coaching staff has no faith in me, which that is not – and even – I mean, you've seen the, the Dolphins have fought back, the uh, you know, really hard against these reports, which shows, I think, the, the veracity of them. And also, it, it's – this is just a bad look and a bad team chemistry situation for Miami. Yeah, I would agree with you. Now, the other team that came out here, the name has been bandied about is the Panthers. We kind of talked about that a couple weeks ago that they were working in 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 the in the in the in the tall grass like a panther that's does what, I guess. That's what uh, Panthers do. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So so the <laughs> Panthers were stalking. But they have a quarterback who they traded for who was named the starter. Yeah, but you don't have a huge – it wasn't a gigantic investment. It's not a huge financial investment. That one, yeah, if, if you can go get Deshaun Watson. But, again, I'm not trading for Deshaun Watson unless uh, – to me, there there are a – each one of the picks are conditional based upon incarceration – all those other things, suspensions, everything else. Are you, it, it, there's too many unknowns. I don't understand how you could mortgage the future of your franchise or the next five years of your franchise for a guy who might go to prison. So for every uh, th- three charges, you give back a, a pick kind of deal? <laughs> I don't know. How, you know, for every six months incarcerated, you know, it's a, I don't know how it would work, uh, but to me, it I would only do it for conditional draft picks. I don't know that, that that would fly. We did put a poll out on our Twitter, at GL Stand Show. Huge number of pollings came back. Question was, where does it was simple, was where does Deshaun Watson end up? Four choices, Dolphins, Eagles, Panthers, or he stays in Houston. Dolphins won with 37% of the vote. Eagles had 8% of the vote of the vote. The Panthers 22% and stays in Houston 33% of the of the vote. Uh there is a guy here who took umbrage with our poll question. And I, I don't know why. Uh, his Twitter at 69PPR. So I guess he's uh, really good at PPR, or maybe he's got a whole 15 followers. Wants to know, uh, are you dumb? Do you not read Twitter? To which uh, I responded because I was running the Twitter machine. I said, what's Twitter? You know, you should have actually, the only thing I take umbrage with is that you didn't add Bishop Sycamore as an option. Well, this was before the whole Bishop Sycamore <laughs> yeah. thing. I should do it. No, I'll do another one. I'll do another one at, on at GL Stan Show. And, I, and we will report back during the NFC East preview show, which will be dropping on Wednesday, right? Yeah, Wednesday. So... Interesting. It's going to see, we're going to see this play out over the next, 
Oh God, I hope it happens before Friday. If it if it doesn't happen before Friday, I'm gonna be really or after Friday, like after we record and air our NFL preview show on Sportswire Radio, I'm gonna be pissed off. Yeah, I mean, it's just so strange. How can Houston just keep him on the roster? I, I don't know what they at this point, and I mean, I, and then you can't suspend them for conduct detrimental to the team, could you? Because he doesn't want to play there. I don't know. Now I almost wonder if they're waiting for the league to put him on uh, the commissioner's exempt list of some sort. I don't sort, know why they haven't to. done that. I don't know. I don't know. This whole thing is. There's apparently been issues regarding the investigation because some of the women who were interviewed took issue with the manner in which they were interviewed. So there's that whole component. It's messy. It's icky. Icky, messy. Speaking of icky and messy, let's talk New York football giants. Any new news other than the trades that we talked about at the beginning of the uh, program here? Um, I mean, news now, their offensive line sucks. But that's just my assessment, and they're really – it looks pretty bad. Evan Ingram did hurt his calf in the final preseason game. Don't know the severity of that. I don't know. I have to tell you, I was – it was ugly watching that. But but in terms of news, no, uh, they're obviously making cuts. No one else really of significance. Obviously, with these trades, they're going to probably have to put additional people – on the waiver wire. And I, I don't even think they're done. I think they're actually going to trade more pieces. They did cut Corey Clement, though. I don't get it, man. Like, maybe some. Looks, I know. Some. You got to hold on to the football. It's a shame because he's a really good player when well, he holds on the ball. And Devontae Booker, to his credit, rebounded from a slow start to camp and actually looked better than him later in camp. And then their rookie. Gary Brightwell came on as well. So by the end, it actually legit, like he legit was the fourth guy. And you got to remember Saquon's coming back. And also their fullback can play tailback, Elijah Penny. So well, that. maybe Corey Clement can uh, catch on in Baltimore. Baltimore, J.K. Dobbins goes down in the preseason finale. ACL injury done for the year. Begs the question that we've kind of been talking about the past two and a half, three weeks on the show. I and people have been listening. We're trending, uh, other than the goddamn footy coach, uh, number number two on Podomatic. We appreciate everybody listening and joining in and commenting. Is this where joint practice is is better? Like, why why was J.K. Dobbins in there? It's pretty. You have to. I, I think you have to play a little bit, uh, don't you? I mean, otherwise, what? I mean, they've had some joint practices. I, I don't take issue with the fact that he was in the game. Uh, John Harbaugh even raised the point that if you look at the way the Ravens handle it as compared to other teams, their starters play less. Injuries happen. This is football. A running back a running back tearing his ACL. This has happened now. For This is a consistent thing for the last 30 years. It's unfortunate. Actually, more than that. Go back 40, 50 years at Gale Sayers. This happens. I, I feel sorry for J.K. Dobbins. But you got to play in preseason. Yeah, well, you do unless you're unless you're the Eagles uh, and unless you're a lot of teams. Oh, unless you're New England, we'll get to them in a second. Uh, T.Y. Hilton injury. 
uh, I believe it's a herniated disc. I, I think it's the neck. Yeah. I don't think it's the back. It's the neck. The Colts are hopeful that he is not going to be out for the season. Uh, more news coming out of Colts camp. Not, no surprise here. Carson Wentz and uh, a couple guys go on the COVID list. Uh, no, no shit. That's what happens when you don't answer the question because you can't answer the question. That's neither here nor there. Uh, well, they, so they, they did not test positive, but because they were unvaccinated, they were deemed high-risk contacts. Uh, and there was a staff member who contracted COVID. And because of that, they had to have five-day quarantine at minimum. Imagine if there was a way to get around that. The NBA is working on figuring that out. NHL is going to be working on figuring that out too. But uh, listen, we're not here to talk about that. Uh, people people don't like that. It's a very uh, divisive thing. Are the San Francisco 49ers going to go with two quarterbacks? Rumors are they are. What happens when you have two quarterbacks? It means you, that neither one is performing that great. And actually, they're definitely not going to have it for the first week because Trey Lance is already out for one week with a chip in one of his fingers. A chipped bone, that is. Not a ruffle or preferably pringle yeah you got to go pringle you know i saw uh you, you bring up pringles i think it was either canada or australia they are selling pringles in a bag no this is that's weird it has to be no. the, the cylinder it has to be yeah because you have to preserve the chip that's that's offensive i, I agree with you it was weird to figure it, make a smaller they make the smaller cylinders no there you cannot make the bag for the pringle i i agree i'm not i'm not I, i'm not taking that side i'm just saying telling you what i saw i that's just well you know look canada cfl good stuff but too big a field they don't have four downs you can win a game off a of rouge which is a one-point play for not advancing the ball outside of the end zone it's a little strange. Meanwhile, their high schools, some of the high schools play American football. I don't understand that either. Someone I, has to explain that to me. I think some of the colleges do as well, don't they? I don't think so. Well, because when I was at Kane, we were going to go play a team up in Quebec, and they played American football. We weren't going to play Canadian ball. I almost ended up playing a Soviet, not Soviet, a Russian national team when I was in prep school. They, uh, that was... They they passed or they didn't show up. They didn't. I guess they didn't get their visas. Imagine that could have been like a bunch of Habib Nurmagomedovs. By the way, check out at in the fight show on in, in at in the fight net. Part of the in the fight net family. Imagine combat sports. Okay, I'll stop. <laughs> imagine if the young Salamajari was the coach. Now that would have been something. <laughs> we have to tell that story one day, but that's another day. That's another day for another. That's another. That's another day for another program. Cam Newton gone. I guess Bill Belichick and Cam Newton weren't seeing eye to eye, despite Bill Belichick not saying anything much about it. Yeah, I, I was listening to the radio. They had one of the New England beat writers on, and, and he raised a good point. So I think one of the issues being, even though he contracted COVID, that he wasn't vaccinated. So there were all of those issues. He was obviously pissed off about. The incident, which resulted in him not being uh, present with the team for five days, which also allowed Mac Jones to further solidify his status. But on top of that, I think the guy raised an excellent point, being that Cam Newton just has this 
you know, like magnanimous, magnanimous, you know what I'm, the word I'm going for, personality. He's a larger-than-life personality. He's never been a backup. And if the guy, if, the, if Belichick and the coaches and the front office have decided, okay, this is Mac Jones' team, do you want that distract? Not that he's going to be a distraction, but do you want that large personality where guys might still be loyal to him? I think just cut ties. He's not a typical backup. He just isn't. Like, case in point, look at a Tyrod Taylor who's now getting his shot in Houston. The guy is a consummate professional, but he's been a backup before. He knows how to he, – he nurtures that relationship. He knows how to bring along younger you know, players. I mean, if it isn't for that idiot L.A. doctor who punctured his lung – you know, before the Kansas City Chief game, he may have started the whole season. We never would have known how good Justin Herbert is until this year. But so I, I don't think Cam Newton's quite that guy. Cam Newton's a guy who comes in and starts. He hasn't demonstrated that he's a backup. So I think there's that component to it as well, where they're like, look, we got to just start clean. This is Mac Jones' team. Uh, and apparently he's proven that he can do it. So that begs the next question. Where could Cam Newton go to start? There's not many. There's really nobody. There's nobody out there that I can think of right now where you say, "Yeah, he's he come." You sign him; he's the automatic starter. I think he's waiting at home, waiting for a big injury. And we got to remember because he's unvaccinated, it's going to take him longer to start up with a team the onboarding processes as he well knows it's it's longer for him than for a vaccinated player which goes against him in this situation it goes against frankly any free agent right now it's going to be something to keep it's going to be something to keep your eye on it's going to be interesting we're going to get to uh the big 10 here in a second but before we do that some stadium news New Orleans Saints, are, it looks like they are going to be out of their home for at least a month or so. Now, look, thoughts and prayers with the people down there in the Gulf. Uh, they got hammered by this hurricane. It seems like, from watching everything, that for whatever reason, maybe there was a shift that it wasn't as bad as it could have been, which is a very good thing, but it's not necessarily great either. I mean, they really got clobbered. And, you know, we, we hope everybody is okay and that they get through this. The Saints are a big part of their their their, their culture in, in Louisiana. They're, and, 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 and the uh, LSU Tigers, I mean, it's a big part of their, their routine. You saw what happened 16 years later, which is crazy, when after Katrina, the Saints opening up the Dome it was a, a, a massive, massive deal. Saints are going to be on the road for at least uh, at least a month. Yeah, and first, I, I share your sentiments with respect to everyone in the Louisiana area and all those affected by the storm. As you said, it, it fortunately looks as if it was not as bad, but it, it completely wiped out the utilities, and there's basically no – say there's going to be like no power for a month. So it, it almost would look disrespectful for the scene because the looks like the Superdome did not sustain – that much damage or anything where they would need to like actually repair it. But, you know, it, this obviously I think is going to have a deleterious effect on the saints. And 
where do you play? I mean, right now they're in Dallas, but I think like they did in 05, they should probably move so that they could set up a more permanent location in San Antonio. San Antonio, as we discussed, could now sort of use this as yet again another audition for why San Antonio makes sense as a a new market for either a team relocating or an eventual expansion team. So I I don't know. You can't have them. St. Louis. Or St. Louis, that's an excellent point. Because what you can't have, uh, Mike, I was just thinking about this. You actually, I don't think I brought you to this game. In 05, the Saints, right when they they ended up playing a quote-unquote home game on a Monday night in New York. And I went, I don't think I, I brought you for that one, though. And Because I, I was sitting down low. I wasn't sitting in my normal seats in Giant Stadium. And it wasn't right. It wasn't fair. So they definitely at least need a neutral location. So, yeah, I, I'm, I'm interested to see it. I, I definitely is going to hurt, I think, the Saints, who also, by the way, they placed Michael Thomas on the pup list. So he's out at minimum for six games, which we pretty much expected. But so, you, you know, you're still without one of your best players. It's going to be a tough season for the Saints, but. We hope, most importantly, everyone in New Orleans uh, recovers, recuperates, and you know, for I to me, like you kind of root for the Saints to at least hold it down, so that they could give people in New Orleans and the state of Louisiana something to focus on, other than their dire situations. Yeah, look, sports sports is a great thing when you have situations like this. The thing that immediately pops into my mind is nine eleven and. The Phillies coming back. The Phillies were one of the first games back with the Braves. Uh, Harry Callis made a, an impassioned speech about everything that was going on. You have, uh, obviously, Mike Piazza and the Mets, what they were doing. And I'm not a Mets guy. I like Mike Piazza. Obviously not a Mets guy. But it, 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 it rallied a city. What the Yankees did, they went on the run for the second greatest World Series of all time, other than 2008. It, it was a – sports does that. Sports brings you together. When in moments like that, the Saints with Gleason blocking the punt to reopen yep. the dome. I mean, it's amazing. It's amazing things. I, I hope that I hope the people of New Orleans and the Gulf uh, can enjoy that again sooner rather than later. Yeah, absolutely. And I think uh, next week we'll talk a little bit more about uh, 9-11 being that this is the it'll be the 20th anniversary of that terrible day and football and 9-11 and all that stuff. So just throwing that out there. Yes, uh, we will. And speaking of stadiums, let's go to Buffalo. Uh, Buffalo made a proposal. So I I didn't see this. So you you told me about it. So run with it. So apparently the ownership of the Bills, the Pagulas, made a proposal to the city of Buffalo for a stadium in the neighborhood of $1.4 billion dollars. The stadium would only hold 60,000 people and only have 60 suites, which to me doesn't seem like a lot. I, I mean, I, I didn't take the time because, again, this I literally read this right before we started recording. I don't know how many suites MetLife Stadium has. I have to believe it's more than 60. I have to believe the link has more than 60. But then the other issue is uh, the current – what, Mike, what's the name of the stadium? Whatever I, – I still call it Rich Stadium. 
yeah, I, I still call it what, Rich whatever Canyon it well. is. I, I, it's okay. not even New Era Field anymore. I think it's, it's High something Mark else. Field or something yeah. like that. What, whatever uh, it is, Buffalo, the Buffalo Bill Stadium. Yes, the Buffalo Bills Stadium currently holds seventy-two thousand. So, to me, what upsets me about this proposal is if it goes through, the Pagula said they will extend their lease for several more years at the current stadium. But then 12,000 people or 12,000 fans will essentially be displaced and no longer be able to go to the games, which is that's sad. So a quick look here. Uh, this is coming from Wikipedia, though, yeah. for Lincoln Financial Field. That Lincoln Financial Field holds 69,796, not including the 172 executive yeah. suites. At the link, I can check what the Meadowlands has here in a second, but also that number sixty thousand is very small. Isn't there a minimum num? Isn't it like sixty eight thousand, seventy thousand in order to have a Super Bowl? Yes, but it's Buffalo, so they were, and it's not going to be have a roof, so they weren't planning on having a Super Bowl there. Although apparently they said that the stadium would protect eighty percent of the occupants from the elements. So I'm assuming it would have some kind of roof that extends. Um, I'm trying to think of it. Maybe like Seattle or some of those soccer stadiums out in Europe and Asia. But nevertheless, to me, I just don't like the idea that 12,000 fans are essentially just going to be shit out of luck because of finances. And not even their own finances. They're not even going to have the opportunity to even cough up the money. They're literally just being displaced. Yeah, so and and so the Meadowlands, they have 10,005 club seats that is in included in the 825 normal attendance. Yeah. Not including an approximately 218 yeah. luxury suites. Yeah. So yeah, 60 is not a lot. That I is not a lot and I can't imagine that being profitable for the Pagulas. I wonder if this is a low ball kind of thing just to say, hey, look, we tried. Yeah, because I got to tell you, if if Buffalo – well, it's low ball, but meanwhile they're saying, yeah, this is going to cost $1.4 billion. Well, to me, this doesn't look of, good. This the, does cost not look of, good. the cost of material is up. I don't know. Yeah. So, I mean, if, they, if the city isn't going to come up with the money for that, there's no way they're going to come up with anything for something more lavish. I, to me, this has a recipe for disaster. I don't like the way this is heading. Uh, typical, Penn, typical Penn State people. On that yeah. note, let's let's move into the Big Ten. Uh, you can read, you can cover Penn State football on Sports Talk Philly. Uh, great plug there. After I just crap all over them, but the guy that writes the Penn State stuff, I think, is pretty damn cool, uh, if I may say so myself. Big Ten kicked off last weekend. Scott Frost and the Nebraska Cornhuskers, there was talk of them going 3-0, 4-0 to start the season. They lost to Art Sinkowski and the Fighting Illini. It was, look, Nebraska just does not have the magic. I don't think Scott Frost has been a good fit. It hasn't changed. His arrival has not really changed the recruiting trend. They're still sort of middle of the pack. And obviously their coaching staff has not been able to develop players to a level like in Iowa. Even You know, you, you would think, okay, if you're not going to be Ohio State, Penn State, Michigan, the Blue Bloods in terms of recruiting, you have to take 
the Wisconsin slash Iowa approach. Get high level, good three star kids and develop them, coach the shit out of them. And he hasn't been able to do that. And he hasn't brought back that aura surrounding Nebraska. It's still gone. Missing in action. Yeah, it is missing in action. And it, it it's interesting because there was talk of, oh, maybe Nebraska will go with Texas and Oklahoma, wherever they go, SEC. And Big Ten fans were like, yeah, good, go. See you. See you later. Get out of here. Well, the first time in a while, they actually weren't crapping on Rutgers or Maryland, so that was nice. We did put out a poll at GL Stand Show. Does Scott Frost make it through the season slash into next year? So, because you know how college football is. End of the year, he, he might coach the last two games, and he's already fired. So there was kind of a little bit of an asterisk to it. And overwhelmingly, uh, 87% of the people said, yeah, he's he's gone. See it. Yeah, it's, um, uh, you know, frankly, I think he might be in line for the Bishop Sycamore job. It's Yeah, he might be in line. It's not trending right. He might be in line for the Bishop Sycamore job. Let's take a quick look this week at the Big Ten. Since we are going to be talking other things later in the week, we got to get this out of the way. Uh, what games are you interested in here? I'm going to give you the slate. Obviously, I know where you're going to be at 631 Eastern time on Thursday. At the same place I'm going to be, which is unfortunately on our couches, but watching Rutgers kick off against Temple. That, that opens the Big Ten slate for the, for the week. Another good game here, though, following up Rutgers-Temple. Number four, Ohio State at number eight at, at, at Minnesota, eight o'clock. Uh, Friday night, Michigan State at Northwestern. Uh, the rest of these are Friday, a couple, or excuse me, Saturday, a couple good games. Number 19, Penn State at number 12, Wisconsin. Western Michigan at the Fighting Khakis, noon. Fordham at Nebraska, aforementioned Nebraska. Fordham might actually be able to pick them off. Be a huge win for the Rams at three thirty. This is it. I didn't realize Indiana was ranked. I just wasn't paying attention to it. Number seventeen, Indiana at number eighteen, Iowa. The Oregon State Beavers at Purdue. That's seven o'clock. And UT San Antonio at Illinois to close out the Big Ten slate on Saturday night. Other than Rutgers, what are you interested in here? You know, I think you actually did a great job when listing them. The, the Ohio State. Minnesota game. Minnesota's tough at home, even though I don't think they're quite at the same level that they have been the last few years. Then fast forward to Michigan State, Northwestern. Not I mean, obviously, I'm going to be interested in it. Particularly, uh, I mean, Rutgers actually plays both teams this year, so there's interest there in Michigan State being in the Eastern Division. Uh, the the Wisconsin Penn State game. That's a great game to open. Uh, the season and then Indiana, you know, credit to them. They're, they've done a great job uh, of rebuilding that program to heights. Frankly, they've never seen uh, to take on Iowa. You know, Iowa sometimes gets ranked very high. I think also because out of respect for the job that Kirk Ferentz does. And sometimes it's like a soft ranking some years. I mean, they're, I mean, look, they almost ended up in the college football playoffs when they lost to Michigan State that one year. But other years, it's sort of they're ranked highly, then they tail off. So it'll be interesting to see. I think that Wisconsin-Penn State game to me is just a little sexier in terms of the prestige of the programs. 
you're going to have Kent Madison or uh, Camp Randall is going to be bumping and jumping around literally uh, at the end of the third quarter. Very excited to see. Also interested in hearing that Jalen Berger, the former Don Bosco star, is not going to be starting a running back for Wisconsin. No, he, he is apparently injured, which is why he's not starting. So they say yeah. to me, that is the game of the weekend. It's Penn State at Wisconsin. This is an interesting year for Penn State as a, as a program. Uh, check out Sports Talk Philly on Thursday. I'm going to give you a quick glance at the Penn State program. Uh, look, we cover Penn State on Sports Talk Philly, Penn State and Temple. And the thing with Penn State is it's almost kind of like a put-up or shut-up time right now. They're currently number one recruiting, uh, according to ESPN. In, in in the world of college football, no, that'll change, but they're not going to go. They're not going to drop to twenty eight or anything like that unless something bad happens. They're going to go down. They're, they're going to be a top ten recruiting class. James Franklin gets a lot of grief, rightfully so, I I think, from Penn State fans for the way he manages games and seemingly loses games that they should win. This is this is uh, this is one of those games where. Conference game, man, you got to get off on the right foot here. Both squads, both sides. Uh, there's yeah. a little for, – for Penn State, though, like eh, Wisconsin can afford to lose this one because the, the, the Big Ten West is what it is, right? Yeah. It's probably going to come down to them in Iowa. So, fine. They can kind of afford to lose it. Penn State can't because you got some heavy hitters in there. Well, you're dealing with uh, – you're dealing with – there's a Lamborghini amidst the, 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 you know, the showroom, which is Ohio State. Is. And so if you want to be off to the races with them, you got to you got to keep up and you have to beat everybody. You you have to go undefeated. That's really what it comes down to. And then you got to beat Ohio State. That's a t- that's a tall order. I can't stand James, James Franklin. And frankly, I, you know, I wasn't impressed with his game management style way back when when Rutgers first faced them in the Big Ten. And they won simply because Gary Nova threw five interceptions. I wasn't impressed with that game plan, and I haven't been impressed since. They've pulled off a few big wins here and there. Uh, to their credit, I'm you know not going to take anything away. The year they won the Big Ten, you know, knocking off Ohio State at home. But you know, I, I think they, they've consistently been in the top ten with the recruiting. So it's not like it, coming out of high school, they basically have the same level of kids as Ohio State, maybe just slightly less, but. It, as compared with any other team in the conference, the gap is not as wide. So, you know, they should be able to pick them off. Put up or shut up, as you said. Yeah, it's put up or shut up time. I am interested in that Indiana Iowa game. I that's going to that's going to be a tell me game too. Who who's who's for real here? Right? Is it yeah. is Iowa for real? Is Indiana for real? I found myself rooting for them. I don't know why. They are a divisional rival. We are Rutgers guys. They are a divisional rival. I don't know. There's something about that Indiana team I, I liked. I don't know if it was the coaching staff. It was the just the, the uniform. I'm not sure. They play a good brand of football. I like their quarterback. Uh, if, you know, it's a shame he just could never stay healthy. The guy's blowing out um, his ACL like every year. Then he's switching legs in terms of which ACL he's blowing out. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I like the co. I like the program. You know, and and it it goes to the whole point of. Yeah, obviously I'm a Rutgers guy, but I respect programs that, to me, I believe do it the right way 
it's very easy when you're in Ohio State and Alabama, Clemson, Georgia, but a team like Indiana to sort of rise up uh, from the ashes, uh, no pun intended there or anything. Uh, there's no relation there, actually. Uh, yeah, they, they, it's a blue-collar team, a lot of tough kids, and they play good football. A game I did forget, West Virginia at Maryland. Uh, West Virginia can kiss my ass. I don't care. Maryland is yeah. going to be – Maryland is bringing back those beautiful, beautiful uniforms, and I hate both be, teams. I know, but and I, I this one, this is one of those, you know, like uh, why don't we just throw UConn in there and it'll be a, a triple uh, header there? But uh, Maryland people get spat on. Maryland is going to have the best, best one of the best uniforms of the weekend. That is true. But speaking of UConn, they had a rough opening season, opening week. Well, we only talk Big Ten, but we can talk UConn. What happened to UConn? It's a shame. It's a shame. UConn traveled across the country to beautiful Fresno State, played on a field that was apparently 140 degrees. What was the final score? 38 nothing. I, I, I turned it off. It was uh, 31. I think it was 31 nothing at halftime, and I was yeah. just laughing. It was. I, I the last I saw it, it was 38 nothing. I know they didn't put up any points, but either way, and you know maybe their fans got spat on like we did. Yeah, hopefully that asshole that was running around uh, the 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 racetrack field, what 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 was that called? Wrenchler Field with yeah. this stupid army helmet. I hope he had a good weekend watching his team get smoked. He's one of the two fans left. Good hot dogs though. That was a very good hot dog. We'll, we'll give our Big Ten, or we'll give our uh, college football hot dog rankings later in the year. Uh, <laughs> let's talk a little bit more NFL. Let's preview the NFC North. As we always do, we have a couple burning questions here. So let's get to it. NFC North preview. The most impactful acquisition by either draft or trade or free agency in the division. I had to go Justin Fields. Now, it's going to be interesting to see when Matt Nagy actually puts him in. uh, Because, frankly, with that offensive line, I I understand the thought of, protecting the future and not subjecting him to that offensive line. But Andy Dalton behind that offensive line, that's also a problem. He's going to play terribly. I think it's going to force their hand. So I think this is huge both for the division now and also in the future because I think the kid has what it takes to be a very good quarterback and could be the first good one in a while in Chicago. Yeah, Matt Nagy is going to have to save his job here. And he's going to have to make this decision sooner rather than later, like halftime kind of deal, because he <laughs> might not he might not make it. He might not make it all the way through. Most yeah. impactful departure in the division. Yeah, I, I went with Corey Lindsley, the center from Green Bay. Yeah, Green Bay, obviously, they have the reigning MVP, Aaron Rodgers. So you know, the center quarterback that's always an important relationship as well. You know, Green Bay has a very strong running game, and they've always had a good offensive line. So to me, the fact that they lost perhaps the best center in the game, that's very uh, that's a notable loss. I was going to say David Bacchiari, but he's only going to be out for a little bit, I think, the yeah. first couple of weeks. So that, that, that doesn't really count in this equation. Most talented position group in the division. This one, there were, there were a few finalists, but ultimately I chose to go with the Chicago linebackers. And I'm just trying to bring up the depth chart. Obviously, my computer freezes as we do so. 
which you know that that's just the timing of everything. But when you have, you, you know, you start with Khalil Mack, who's one of the best in the league. Again, this is a three-four defense, so your outside linebackers are really you know, primarily edge rushers. So you have Khalil Mack, Robert Quinn, who isn't quite what he was back when he was with the St. Louis Rams, but still, you know, a a I would call him a above average to good edge rusher. Then you have uh, Danny Trevathan and Roquan Smith in the middle. I think Roquan Smith, the former first-round pick out of Georgia, really coming into his own. So that that's the team to me that has – or that's the unit that I like the best. What is the most worrisome position group in the division? To me, the most worrisome position group, it was actually a tie. Well, not a tie. My, the, the two were both wide receiver groups. Uh, my runner-up was Detroit, and the my the one that I chose was the Minnesota Vikings receiver group. Now, people are going to be like, uh, yeah, they have Adam Thielen and Justin Jefferson. Completely aware of that. However, their tight end, who they believed was going to be uh, a breakout player, Irv Smith, just got hurt. We don't know the extent of it yet. It's a meniscus injury. could either be three weeks or it could be season long. But after Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen, there is a cliff in terms of talent. Here, I mean, Mike, I'm going to read off these names. You tell me which guy. I mean, uh, to me, a good receiver group needs three guys. So they have two very good players. Then they have K.J. Osborne, Chad Beebe, D.D. Westbrook, Amir Smith-Marset from uh, Wequahic. I never know how to pronounce that. Uh, out of North Jersey and from Iowa, the, the, he's a rookie. Uh, Dan Chisena, Myron Mitchell, Wap Filer. Any of those names scare you? Other than to pronounce? Well, Wap Filer doesn't scare me because he's gone, baby. He was cut. No, they're oh, he not was gonna, cut today? Yeah, they're not do wapping anymore. Uh, real quick, breaking news. As we're talking right now, Nick Sirianni meeting with the media in Philadelphia. Jalen Hurts is the starting quarterback of the Philadelphia Eagles. I guess we can put to bed any of the other nonsense uh, involving uh, Deshaun Watson. Yeah, that to me, I mean, that was sort of a foregone conclusion, but thank you for at least confirming that. So, yeah, going back to Minnesota, to me, I, I think that they have a serious problem in that now they, particularly now that you've lost your tight end for an extended period of time, you, you need more than two guys. Where's your third guy? I don't see him. It's the great old age old question of who's the third man? <laughs> Who is the third man? We know it. It wasn't Mabel. We know that much. <laughs> Who, good, is, like Who is the ultimate X factor in this division? You know, I went with Kirk Cousins. This is a guy who, you know, he's good. He, well, okay, I'm not talking about his vaccination status or his view on vaccination, but that, you know what, frankly, that is an X factor as well, because as we've seen now with Carson Wentz, simply because of his status of his vaccination or lack thereof, he's a, he could be a high-risk contact. He is at risk of, of, you know, missing a game simply because somebody else got sick. Uh, but beyond that, just well, his Let me ask you a call. question real quick. Let me interrupt you. you. Okay. Big game coming up against Minnesota. Uh, number one seeds on the line. You know Mr. Kirk Cousins. You know his stance. 
maybe you have someone who is vaccinated but is asymptomatic. I'm not saying you should do this. Would any coach not named Buddy Ryan actually take a put him near somebody? Like, is that wrong? You're basically so you're talking about biological warfare between teams. Yeah, I guess you can't do that. It's probably a very, very bad thing. Yeah, I shouldn't even have brought it up. Don't do it. It's stupid. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So, anywho, Kirk Cousins, you know, for weeks at a time, he plays at a Pro Bowl level. Then there's other weeks at a you know stretches of the season where he plays well below the worth of the contract that he received. To me, if if you can get consistent play out of him at a high level. I think this team, I think the defense rebounds, and I think this team could actually do something. So, to me, he's the X factor. Interesting, because uh, it's not Aaron Rodgers. And, I mean, Aaron, I mean, we know Green Bay is probably the class here, but it's going to be interesting to see what Aaron Rodgers shows up. We will talk about that on the preview show on Friday, Sports Wire Radio and Sports Talk Philly. How about a lesser-known name? that you think can make an impact in a division? So I went with, <clears throat> excuse me, Aleem McNeil, third-round pick for the Detroit Lions out of North Carolina State. He is slated to start at nose tackle for Detroit. Again, look, I, I don't expect much from Detroit, but he's had a very nice preseason. And, you know, as a former nose tackle myself, it's a very important and undervalued position. A, a strong and sturdy nose tackle can really set you up for success for a defense, both in terms of stopping the run and getting after the quarterback. And Lee McNeil is a, a very big boy, 6'3", 330, very, um, very good against the run, but is actually f- has flashed in the preseason in terms of disrupting the pocket. So very interested to see what he could do. We will get to our preview and predictions on Friday, Sports Wire Radio, Sports Talk Philly, and everywhere you find podcasts. Follow us at GL Stand Show on all social media. If you're in the Philadelphia area, Michael's Glass Company, 215-338-3293. Tell them we sent you the Pulse Table, 7 East Lancaster Avenue in Ardmore, a modern Italian steakhouse, thepaulstable.com. We will be back tomorrow to preview the NFC East, and we will be back on Friday to preview the National Football League. Enjoy the cuts, stay safe, and we will see you later.